Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. Let's go back in time, by about five years. It was a pretty ordinary Sunday in May, except for what was going down at the Central Texas Marketplace about lunchtime that day. Two rival biker gangs had gathered at Twin Peaks Restaurant. Things went downhill from there. Joining me now, retired Waco Police Sergeant Patrick Swanton, who was serving as Public Information Officer, PIO for short. Uh, The mayhem and bloodshed that happened that day really thrust you onto the national stage. You know, Ann, it was one of those events that I don't think anybody could foresee. Uh, Obviously, we knew there were two rival fractions of gangs that were having tiffs with each other back and forth. Um, And that had been going on for years. Of course, it's been going on multiple years. And then they had intensified in our area over the uh, previous months prior to the Twin Peaks shootout. So we were aware that there was some serious conflict going on. But I don't think anybody expected the magnitude of what happened at Twin Peaks restaurant that day. Uh, Unfortunately for Waco, a horrific event. And it, it was one of those things that... We will have to live in the aftermath of that for a long time. Um, I in will fact, you say there's some lawsuits still going on. Yeah, absolutely. There, there are some of the restaurants are suing the original Twin Peaks restaurant for allowing that to occur, and so there are some civil suits. There are still some uh, additional civil suits other than those that are ongoing, and it, it's something that is it continues to affect our community. Um, I, I think I visited with you about it before that this is one of those things that it, it, so much of our world is polarized nowadays and our communities are polarized, citizens are polarized. And this is one of those events. I, I will tell you that my role when I took over as PIO for Waco PD was number one, to provide information to our citizens and to our community and to the media as well. And sometimes, depending on which side of the fence that you're on, people don't like to hear the truth. And to this day, I still get people that are angry with me because I spoke the truth about what happened at at Twin Peaks that afternoon. Yeah, I understand. It's what I, I've already, I call them biker gangs, and, mm-hmm. and they don't like that. They no. think it's too pejorative to refer to the Cossacks, the, the uh, Bandidos. I mean, these Correct. are they high-profile 
groups. Yeah, they want to be referred to as clubs. Mm-hmm. And and certainly there are biker clubs. There oh, yeah. VFWs. Riders, there of, the Pops, Riders you know? of the Sun. Riders of the Sun, S-O-N. I've ridden with them. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love, you know, the, the whole idea of riding and the open road and all that kind of stuff. No doubt. But, yeah, there's there's a, definitely a lawless aspect there, there is a, to a some of these groups. There is a fraction of biker groups that are are actual gangs. Yeah. And unfortunately, we had some of those involved in the Twin Peaks event. And when I spoke of that and I talked about that, nothing that I said that that day, the following days to the national media or to our local media was untruth. It was all truthful. And the unfortunate side of it, there were certain people that didn't like me speaking the truth. And and to this day, they're still angry, if you will, about um, me talking about what happened at Twin Peaks and, and quite frankly, just laying the facts out as we knew them and continue to know them today. Well, it was horrific. Nine men died. Mm-hmm. The, the miracle of it, I think, is that it was only nine because from what I understand, it was just mayhem. There were like 300 and something weapons that yeah. you guys yes. rounded and up. Absolutely. And that went from everything from nunchucks to uh, firearms to knives to clubs to uh, all, all sorts of handmade weapons. Uh, and again, that was another thing that people were angry that I mentioned, that, that some of them had weapons that it was legal for them to do. It's not legal for you to carry a firearm if you are actively involved in gang activity, number one. And some of those people were not legally carrying. Some obviously were, absolutely. Um, but the truth of the fact is there were people hiding weapons, and we talked about that initially. They were hiding them oh, under in the, bags in the bathroom. of flour. They put the <laughs> they found them uh, everywhere. handguns in a toilet, yeah. in a commode. Um, normal people that don't have something to fear are not going to do that. No. And uh, unfortunately, that that is what occurred that day. And um, I think I've mentioned to you before that we had law enforcement there in Mark's You were cars. aware, had been watching, knew somehow, I don't know, you get tipped on it. Yeah, there's going to be a little meeting, quote unquote, a meeting of these two gangs. And, and so you were aware and kind of had a pretty massive force. Yes, I can say the department was absolutely aware of what was going on and Mm -hmm. had a contingency plan in place and had officers in place. They had plainclothes officers, fully uniformed officers, undercover cars, uh, fully marked cars. There was no doubt Waco PD was there. And unfortunately, the event turned violent very quickly. Uh, it was not started by Waco PD. I was going to say, do they know how, how it started? They do. Yeah. And, and that's part of the facts that have now come out, the videotapes that uh, have now come out and were allowed. And I'll tell you, I, I, I had some real uh, discussions, active discussions, if you will, with our administrators at that point about wanting to immediately get those videotapes out. Right. Uh, we, uh, I say we, let me put the caveat, I am now retired from Waco PD and don't speak for them uh, being retired. But at that point, we had some healthy discussions um, with me trying to champion the cause of release these videos and show people what happened. 
And based on our theory of those are evidentiary, we had never released evidentiary videos, photographs, uh, things like that in the past, and the department was steadfast they weren't going to do that. Obviously, when they were released to attorneys and uh, were out there made available, then somehow those videos were released to major news networks. And I think that really showed America what we were saying all along happened, truly did happen. Absolutely unfor unfortunate that people died there. Um, oh, yeah. And But that was not started by police action. That was started by two rivaling um, biker organizations. <laughs> Very that, carefully said. That were, were not happy with each other no. and, and had projected violence on each other multiple times um, prior to Twin Peaks and continue, unfortunately, do that today. Well, and of course, you know, then carrying this on to the, the courts, nobody is convicted of anything. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, you know, I will not go into my personal opinion about some of the ways things were handled uh, in the aftermath. Obviously, there were um, things done that lots of people did not see eye to eye with. And obviously, I have my own opinions about how things got handled after the fact um, and how maybe they could have been handled better, for sure. Um, but that that is just part of people trying to make decisions and uh, very difficult role placement after that and uh, is something that we'll just we'll have to see how that goes. Well, there's not much I don't think in your in your training probably on on a incident of this scale. I just remember seeing the video of all everybody sitting out and they're all you know rounded up a hundred people to take in it was just the scale of it. Well, I and I guess the, the best way to comment on that, the violence that was started by individuals, non-law enforcement individuals that day, caused law enforcement to have to take immediate aggressive action. And I will stand behind what I said then, today, and take that to the grave with me, that law enforcement officers absolutely saved lives at Twin Peaks that day. They saved innocent civilian lives. Uh, certainly, Waco officers fired upon individuals who were, that were acting in aggressive and violent manners. And unfortunately, in our role in law enforcement, that's what we have to do sometime. But beyond the shadow of a doubt, the law enforcement actions that day saved innocent civilian lives. Well, you are a trained um member of law enforcement, not retired, but but you're also a trainer. You also uh, are an instructor. Do you still do some things? Uh, with yes, ma'am, I do. Yeah, uh -huh. uh, I teach. I we teach judges, uh, legal advocates, counselors, uh, law enforcement officers around the world on uh, sexual uh, assault and domestic violence prevention. Hmm. Um, and that was one of the the near and dear to my heart uh, assignments that I had at Waco Police Department. I was over our family violence unit for uh, a very long time and personally became friends with the director of the abuse shelter here. I sat on the board with some brilliant, educated women, uh, quite frankly, that intimidated me because they were so smart. And it was fun. And I told them that, you know, I'd go to the meetings and I would just be in awe of how they can run an organization that had very little funding and house victims of domestic abuse 
and their children um, with limited amounts of money. It was amazing to see, and it truly opened my eyes to what a caring heart can do for individuals that are in those kind of situations. And thank God there are people like that that go out of their way every day. And I will tell you, Kitty Tunmeyer and, and Kathy Reed from the Abuse Shelter, uh, they just, they opened my eyes to what we can do for folks when we as humanity want to help people. And it was amazing to see. So I carry that on with my afterlife career from the police department. I still champion the cause of domestic violence is not okay. Uh, sexual assault is not okay, and there's things that we can do to stop that and help those victims of those crimes. Well, this kind of takes us then into the, the current climate of defunding the police, and, and the you know we're going to take money away from police and have other people, social workers or whatever, go to these kinds of calls. I mean, are, I, what is your take on these kind of calls to, to recraft reimagine what a police force looks like. It's frightening, quite frankly, to think that they're going to send unarmed counselors to a volatile situation like that. I will tell you that domestic violence calls are one of the uh, worst calls that police officers go on. We know how quickly they can explode. We know how violent that they can become. Um, Here's what I would like to see and what we did and continue to do at Waco Police Department was our officers responded to those calls and we had the ability to call our victim services unit out if we thought that we could get some help. Uh, We had the ability to refer those victims to our domestic abuse uh, or family violence unit that has counselors in-housed with them. They have direct access to the shelter, domestic abuse shelter and legal advocates, and they work hand-in-hand with those people day in, day out, to facilitate their needs, and you never know what those needs are. Um, One of the things that we teach when I go out and guest instruct is that the, the victim in a domestic abuse case is the only one that can make that decision that it's time to leave, and there's lots of reasons why they stay. If you've never been involved in those situations, you may not understand that, Uh, But there are reasons they stay, whether it's the safety of the children, their own safety, the safety of their family. Lots of things can come into play. Um, But they have to be the ones that make that choice. It's time to get out. And so one thing we try to do is train our officers, keep going, be there time after time after time and be available and get the resources to them. So we have that. I think sending someone... um, that is non-law enforcement related without the ability to protect themselves into a domestic abuse situation uh, has the potential to lead to uh, catastrophe for sure. Well, one of the things that's kind of broken my heart about everything that's been going on with with the police is that I know how hard you all have worked with community policing, Mm -hmm. with being in the community, trying to to gain the, the trust of people in the community, oh, and I, working with them, you know, and the, uh, and and yet in you know one horrifying situation with uh, George Floyd, uh, everybody says this shouldn't have happened like it did, and yet now it's just been taken to uh, to lengths that it's hard to even yeah and, understand. And no doubt, and and that's one thing that I I've got to say about our community how proud I am of the city of Waco, the citizens of McLennan County, 
they they know how to do things right. Right. And absolutely everybody has their opinions and their chance to voice that opinion. I love the fact that we had peaceful protest here in Waco. They were allowed to voice their concerns and say whatever they wanted to say. And it was a beautiful thing to see that they did. They did it right. And there was no violence involved whatsoever. I think what we're seeing around our country today is that people are wanting to voice their opinion and get their word out there. And that's a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. But once the violence starts and and things are burned or torched or people are assaulted, then it changes that message. You just went from somebody that even me, myself, am willing to listen to and hear your concerns to now you're a criminal and you're being violent and you're abusive towards citizens. Uh, Some of the things we see, if you open up Google News every day, you see stuff that is going on. And the people that are approaching folks in outside restaurants in Washington, D.C., demanding that they throw a fist in the air. And that is that does nothing but drive a wedge between people that believe in your message and want to help. And then you see events like that, and it just turns your stomach towards that, that type of organization or people. Right. Well, it's a mob. Yes, it's absolutely. It's the mob. And, and in a way, it's not really any different than the playground bully mm-hmm. that you're going to you're going to bow to whatever, you know, whatever it is. I'm trying what point I'm trying to make or else, you know, and and I think that's people by and large don't buy into that. No, not at all. And And I think when organizations first started and the message was um, we want equality and fairness for everybody, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody would be against that. But then when it turns violent and the message gets lost, that's a real issue. And unfortunately, I don't think uh, certain organizations or certain individuals can see that going on and they're stuck in their opinion and stuck in that uh, circumstance of, of my opinion or what I think is more important than what you think or how you should act or believe. And trying to change somebody like that is not going to work. It's just not. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's talk a little bit about police training. What have you noticed over the years? And you you graduated from high school, went to went to MCC and joined the Waco Police Force. I mean, you have this has been your career. Forty years. You say yeah, yeah a l- little years. bit of time and you've probably seen all kinds of training. What kinds of train because there's a the accusation that it's systemically racist which in, i in absolutely disagree with it is not so so what kind of training do you have 
that that has maybe changed over the years? Okay. Um, and, and that's one thing that when, when you look at social media or you look at some of the um, mainstream media reporting, I think some of that is so biased. And people that have absolutely no idea what law enforcement is truly about or what we go through or the roles that we play, they want to judge based on no knowledge of law enforcement tactics whatsoever. Um, and that's a little frustrating, even for me to see. So uh, even on my Facebook page, I continually try to educate people. We don't know what all went on. Number one, you weren't there. I wasn't there. What you see in a 10-second video clip is not an entire story of what occurred. Let's look at facts. But people are not wanting to do that. They're wanting to rush to judgment. Um, and, and I can tell you, there even when we've had some local officer involved shootings with an individual that was armed with a knife that was being legally arrested for stealing and shoplifting from a store, pulled a knife on our officers. And unfortunately, that action led our officers to defend themselves and, and were involved in a shooting. Multiple comments that we had uh, during that time where, well, you could have just wrestled the knife away from him or you could have used a billy club. Or just shoot him in the leg. Yeah, and that it's not realistic. No, it's not done that way. And, and unfortunately, people don't understand that. I'll give yeah. you the most recent shooting um, of an individual that was armed now, we know, with a knife. Uh, an officer shot him. People said, well, you, they should have just um, fought him for the knife. That's that's not realistic. And then the the comment was, well, they didn't have to shoot him that many times. That many times. I think what people need to understand is when law enforcement is trained that they have to use deadly force, deadly force is used to stop the threat against us. And I will tell you, one gunshot wound typically does not stop force that is being used against us. Multiple officers and multiple officer-involved shootings um, have proven time and time again that simply shooting someone one time is not going to stop the threat. People are still able to attack. They're still able to shoot back. They're still able to stab you with a knife. And, and then even one of the comments we had on ours was, it was just a pocket knife. A pocket knife can kill you. And People don't understand the fact that if I'm wrestling hand-to-hand -hand with somebody and they have a two-inch bladed or a three-inch bladed knife, uh, it takes about a quarter of an inch to get through my neck to a jugular vein. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing I can do. I'll bleed out, even with help right there. Um, and I think the most important thing that I can tell citizens in our community is that law enforcement officers, men and women, are, are doing a fantastic job fighting crime every day. They're doing a fantastic job uh, getting along with our community and being a part and being involved in the community. And it's awesome to see that. Um, we've got to continue that, obviously. But men and women in law enforcement want to put on their uniform, go to work, stop crime, help people, and go home to their families. It is that simple. Absolutely, there are bad law enforcement officers out there. They are such a small percentage. You talked earlier about systematic um, um, racism. That is so untrue. There is a small contingency of law enforcement that is a bad apple. And they are in every profession. 
They are in every uh, race. They are in every sex. Um, it doesn't matter. There are people that are mean, evil, evil people. And I will tell you that law enforcement has one of the best systems for weeding those people out. I wanted out. to know about that. How how do you, because I know you get written up, and if, if an officer is involved in an officer-involved shooting, they immediately go on desk duty or, you know, paid paid leave or whatever. Correct. Till the investigation can be, yeah, can and be brought through. Let me backtrack just a smidge. You talked about training. We, mm-hmm. we train Day one in the academy, you start your training. Through the entire academy, you're training. You're put in different situations, how to handle different things. That training never stops. For 40 years, I continued my education and training in law enforcement, and things change. Uh, Laws change. Tactics change. After Columbine, we learn you can't just sit outside a school and wait for the SWAT team to get there. Uh, Mental health challenges are a true challenge for law enforcement now. We're training on how to deal with mental health people in crisis. And now it's more of a talk to, let's work this through, give them plenty of space kind of training. Um, so we're, we're education is paramount in what we do in law enforcement. Uh, the community of Waco is blessed with the amount of law enforcement training that goes on here. We have the MCC Academy that does a fantastic job training young cops, not only training the young ones, they're training us old ones as well that are, that are keeping us up to date on stuff. Um, so there is a lot of that going on. Now, the, the last question you had was, come at me one more time with that. Well, having to do with um, with with how you, you know, judge who's who's having a problem, you know, how how you go about, you know, ascertaining, you know, who might be having some issues and maybe shouldn't be in this job. We're we're we again, I'm saying we me me being Mm -hmm. retired. Waco Police Department was very efficient at policing their own. Yeah, I think all you have to do is look back in in media things. We have fired officers. We have suspended officers. We have written officers up. We have thrown officers out of the academy. Um, They are very good about policing their own. And when there is something that happens, we look at it with objective eyes. Uh, There is a. Uh, internal affairs review sergeant. Uh, I think it's a professional conducts and standards sergeant is what they call them now that scrutinizes every use of force case. Uh, Look at every complaint that comes in. Our supervisors are trained to look for problem officers and fix issues before they become issues. And we're good about doing that. Is everybody, um, all law enforcement across the state? I can't speak for that. Um, but I know at Waco, we are very good about doing that. And it is not something we take lightly. Uh, we believe in our citizens. We believe in their complaints. We want to help them. And I think that's probably what makes a big difference for us is that our citizens trust us because we Waco Police Department is very transparent about what goes on. Uh, They are honest about what goes on. They will look into their own if they need to, and they will not hesitate to take action against a law enforcement officer in our ranks if if it uh, mandates needed needed to be done. Well, as a citizen, I want to I want to know that if I have to call 911, that somebody's going to come. Yes, ma'am. And, you know, and that's what worries me about this whole defund the police. I mean, what do they think? Well, uh, again, I think you look at our city council and, and our community here. They have provided 
uh, very recently additional officers to Waco PD. Our city council, and, and I will tell you as a retired cop, city council folks, if you're listening, we never get enough money, right? <laughs> we just, we, we are a huge drain on resources. Um, we are a, a big user of city money because of the necessi- necessity. You have, you have nonstop coverage of law enforcement. Um, and yeah, we go back and forth with our council and city managers and mayors from time to time, but they are very supportive of Waco Police Department and they want to see us continue being a part of this community. And I don't think that defunding the police is going to occur in Waco. Number one, I don't think our community will stand for that. And number two, uh, I don't think that our city administrators and powers to be want that. We are trusted in Waco. Uh, We have to work on that every single day. And just because we have that trust now does not mean that we will have it tomorrow. Um, so we, we ask our officers to get behind that thought of this is a community we serve. We live here. We play here. We want to be a part of this community. And we've got to do everything that we can to make it better. Um, I will tell you that I still stay in touch with lots of officers mm-hmm. uh, in, in our, well, in it's our a, city. Also, it's kind of a family affair, too. Yes, yes. Um, but I will tell you that from from talking to those officers, they they are bought into this community. Yeah. They love this department. They love this city. They love this citizens. And they are a part of us. And they are a part of protecting us. And I, I for one, am very proud of what our law enforcement does in this community. And I, I want our community and citizens to know that your officers are behind you. They are with you all the way. They will be here day in, day out, 24-7, 365. And uh, they are coming to help you. Mm-hmm. You will hear stories about officers across the community not responding to calls or dragging their feet, uh, feet going to calls. That's not Waco PD. You have a committed group of men and women, young, uh, middle-aged, and some old that are still there every day and their goal is to come out here and protect this mm-hmm. community Serve and be and a part. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And absolutely. be a part of this city and, and I'm proud of them for doing that. Well, and you have been such a such a great um, friend of the media, you know, and, and being responsive when I was working in the business and, and you know, because we needed to have, you know, an official. We needed somebody that actually knew what was going on to tell us what was happening. Um, you know, whether it was a whether it was a story, you know, are we going to actually go out and cover it? Or, you know, we just needed information. And you were such a such a great help to us. I, I will tell you, Ann, it's because I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I really liked dealing with y'all. And I enjoyed the dealing with our community as much as I got to in my PIO role. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun to me. And, and again, when I took over that position, my goal was to help people and be honest to the media and to the citizens and be there when you needed me to be. Um, and, and that was hard because I never had any time off. And even if I was away from the PD, I still had that cell phone and sure. I was expected oh, to Oh, I know. It. We would call you all the and, time. <laughs> uh, if you can't give give that 110%, yeah. then you don't need to be in that yeah. position. So retirement? Absolutely loving it. Yeah. You know, and, and I will tell you, everybody that went before me said it'll be the best decision you made. 
And no doubt, I will tell you, I miss this community. I miss getting to do these kind of things mm-hmm. and be a part of our community. Um, but I am absolutely loving to get to do all the honeydews at home and travel a little bit that we've traveled. Uh, life is grand for us right now. Well, and you're you're obviously still you know giving uh, of your expertise too, and I particularly through your Facebook. Um, page because it, it as you say it's been informative and it's been great to 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 read your take on some of the things that are happening well and that's that's one thing that i think we as human beings need to realize is we we all have opinions somebody posted something that is a friend of mine on a facebook page yesterday and i commented on it and i said here's my thoughts and here's what i know um, they didn't like my opinion and a lot of their friends didn't like my opinion and so immediately I got attacked instead of saying, you know, there are things that maybe we don't know as a 40 year law enforcement officer that could lead you to make those kind of decisions. Um, but I made the comment that their opinions nor my opinions are really not ones that matter. If it's somebody that is arrested, they will be tried and will have a jury of 12 people. It's those 12 people whose matter uh, of opinion is a one that is truly going to mean right. anything after evidence and, uh, is provided yes, and yeah we have a we have a system absolutely that makes us be a civilized society and that's what seems like sort of people at stake. forget yeah you know and yeah. and I will it's not perfect nothing is perfect in this world yeah. um, but it's the best that this world has to offer I can assure you uh, and I believe in our justice system and we may not always agree with it but again it is we don't know all of the facts a 10 second video clip proves nothing um, and there are people that spend days weeks and sometimes months listening to mounds and mounds of evidence that are tasked with making that decision and if you've never sat on a jury it is an extremely difficult thing to do uh, it takes away from your personal, your family time, your work time, uh, but it's something that is paramount to being sure that our communities run like they should and that uh, we are all treated fair and equal. Well, I appreciate you so much, Patrick, spending some Absolutely. time with us to uh, kind of share your thoughts about some of the big news stories that have happened. And um you know, it's just great things lie ahead. I'm so happy that uh, you're enjoying your retired life and uh, still giving back. Thank you, Ann. I appreciate you having me here and, and to our citizens. I miss you. God bless each and every one of you and uh, keep towing the line. We're doing great things in Waco and I'm, I'm proud of this community. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. guide through Waco. I'm here to tell you all the goings on in and around Waco. I'm going to give you the 411 on what's happening, what's going on, and what events you should go to. This is your host, Debbie, signing off. Now that you know, go. Just go, Waco.
you building a new business while managing a family? Are you tired of trying to balance home and work and everything seems to be coming up short? Then there's a podcast made just for you. Baking Your Business from Scratch is where we create the perfect recipe for building a successful business while managing your home and family with love. Come join us and see for yourself. This has been Globe Media Network Podcast.